Good morning. It is Tuesday, September 19th. It's five minutes after 10. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Thank you for joining us this morning. That's Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. I'm there too. Casey Daniels 317. And of course, we're on YouTube right now. If you type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. Coming up later this hour, Nigel is going to join us from the Hammer and Nigel show. And Bill Maher axing his plans to uh, return his show amid the writer's strike. But we start off talking about Ron DeSantis. He's hitting back at Kevin McCarthy, accusing him of being a member of the D.C. establishment, slamming him and also Donald Trump for adding to the national debt. Uh, yes. And before we get into this, wanted to also let everybody know uh, coming up at, uh, at 1030. In fact, Abdul will join us. Uh, we want to give Todd Rokita a chance to get near his radio because we know he and his people obsess. Listen, uh, Abdul will be with us to talk about Todd Rokita. Uh, having to uh, go uh, go now face these charges from the uh, mm-hmm. the disciplinary, disciplinary com- uh, commission due to his uh, well him flapping his gums on national television on Fox News uh, and now embarrassing the state once again. So Todd, you have uh, let's see, you've got about twenty four minutes to get to your radio, and then we'll have Abdul on uh, on for that. All right, sorry, <laughs> what were you saying, Casey? Oh well, we're talking about uh, Kevin McCarthy and Donald Trump and how Ron DeSantis is trying to lump them together. Uh, yeah, okay. So uh, if you're DeSantis, mm-hmm. at what point do you enter panic mode? Oh, I think he's already there when he fired a bunch of his staff. Yeah, look, it's such a weird dynamic, this race, because everything is so such uncharted territory. Obviously, it has been a long time since a president has run. I think uh, Roosevelt would probably have been the last one who ran for office after having been president removed from being president. And somebody can correct me if I missed on that, but that was well over a hundred years ago. So certainly in the modern era, this is the first time this has happened. And now you throw in the indictments and you, you, you look at the division in the country and you say, well, the traditional playbook is totally out the window because by traditional standards, Donald Trump should not be the front runner, but obviously he is. Mm-hmm. And not only is nothing seeming to have an impact on him, he just seems to be growing stronger. Yeah. Ron DeSantis keeps saying that uh, when he was, well, he is currently still governor of Florida, but he's been sure to underscore his priorities while he's been leading the Sunshine State. And now he's attacking Donald Trump, saying that Donald Trump is responsible for adding seven trillion dollars more debt to the country the most that's been racked up in 200 years yeah let's hear what uh, DeSantis had to say well look I would say I mean I think that if you look at what's happened with DC Republicans uh, they worked uh, very closely you know look Donald Trump he supported Kevin McCarthy very strongly for speaker. I don't think he would have won the speaker vote. Donald Trump was instrumental in him earning that speaker's gavel. And they worked hand in glove, really, throughout his whole presidency. They were on the same team on every major spending bill that came down the the pike. And they ended up together adding $7.8 trillion to our national debt. Never in a four-year period has that much been added than what they did together. And so he said that we're different. We are different 
because in Florida, we run budget surpluses. We've paid down almost 25% of our state's debt just since I've been governor. All the debt, all the way up for all of Florida's history, we've knocked off almost 25% of it. So it's a much different approach uh, to where we're doing it right. We have the number one rated economy in the country. We've cut taxes. We've expanded school choice. And we've delivered in a way that has uh, made the state sustainable. Uh, I am not somebody uh, who the D.C. establishment wants to see up there. There's no question about that because they know that a lot of things will be changing if I'm there. Well, we've talked about this, Casey. He, everything he said is correct, yet it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, the, the, the Trump COVID spending, egregious. The Trump emboldening of Fauci, egregious. The Trump supporting of masking, egregious. The Trump using billions of dollars for the failed vaccine, egregious. Uh, I mean, that that's COVID. That's COVID by itself. The Trump comments on abortion just the other day on Meet the Press, egregious. Trump's record leading up to COVID was not great. It wasn't horrible, but he was adding, he added trillions to the nation's debt. And yet people just go, oh, well. Hmm. Now he, Ron DeSantis, is claiming that Donald Trump is part of the D.C. establishment. Isn't that interesting? Because in 2016, Donald Trump ran on not being D.C. establishment. Well, and I mean, in a weird way, we're seeing it the same sort of eh, whatever here when he talks about Kevin McCarthy. Casey, who was Kevin McCarthy's biggest cheerleader during the speaker vote? Yeah. Our old pal, Jimmy Banks. Jimmy came on these radio airwaves and promised us Kevin was going to be great. And Kevin was a fighter and a leader. And of course, anybody with an IQ of three and above knew that wasn't true. It's been a colossal failure. You point that out to people and they just go, so what? We like Jim. <laughs> well, But this is a huge decision and he was dead wrong. And anybody with an ounce of common sense knew it was going to be dead wrong. So what? We like Jim. He's conservative. Kevin McCarthy is not conservative. And when you're wrong on the big stuff, which Trump has been wrong on the big stuff time and time and time again, you should be held to account for that. And yet people just do not care. Well, it's no surprise that Kevin McCarthy would be, uh, you know, blowing the Trump trumpet at this point, because wasn't it Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene on the phone with Donald Trump when they were voting for Kevin McCarthy to become Speaker of the House? So sure, at this point, Kevin McCarthy is going to be backing Trump. I uh, look, I, I it is a it is a frustrating position to be in. And I've been there before, but and Ron DeSantis is, is is there now, where you can present people with all the evidence in the world and they just go, doesn't matter. I mean, there's no there's no way to win that argument. There's no way to win those people. It is such a weird world where the actual record of governance does not matter, and that's actually pretty scary. Like that's how republics fall. That's how countries crumble when. We ignore reality based on some weird, uh, weird obsession with emotion. I mean, mm -hmm. you can you cannot ignore Trump's record. I mean, you can. People clearly are. But I'm saying, I guess here between nine and noon, we will not ignore Trump's record. And if you still decide you want to vote for it, fine. But how many things do you have to have hit you right between the eyes before you go? Wow. Maybe the juice isn't actually worth the squeeze. Uh, the heart wants what the heart wants. And there's no arguing with that. Ron DeSantis has been slamming bogus and what he calls manufactured criticism that he is stiff and awkward. 
you've heard this criticism for months. He's too stiff. Oh, he's too awkward. Oh, he doesn't have the charisma. In retrospect, would it have been better? Would it be better now to project a warmer image? Well, I think some of that is manufactured. I mean, let's just be clear. I just won the greatest Republican victory in the history of Florida governor's oh, elections. We have a lot of very strong support, and people appreciate that uh, for sure. And so, you know, I think that you know, we do do things where I'm out there, you know, shaking the hands. Because remember, the media said, oh, he's a Florida guy. He's not going to go to Iowa and do that. And meanwhile, I've done more retail than anybody. We've got to build support. But but I will but say your this. your wife suggested? Uh... But, but well, here's what I'd say, yeah. though. I mean, like, you know, and I think the people that know me know that, that there's a bogus narrative. Okay, so he's getting everybody involved. He's getting his family involved, his wife, beautiful, well-spoken, his young children. He keeps trying to sell himself to America. He keeps going back to Iowa. They were there playing baseball, doing all of the things, right? It's just not sticking. Uh, I got to ask this in the YouTube chat, and you can watch us on the internet. Hello to everyone out in internet world uh thank you just put kendall and casey in your search bar there mm-hmm. and you can uh you can see us in all of our beautifulness um i was asked if i were elected president what are the three top changes that i would make day one mm. uh i would immediately announce that i will not sign any budget that is not balanced and so I will veto it, and then I will dare the Congress to say balancing our our budget and paying our debts like Americans are forced to doesn't matter. Uh, number two, I would suspend all aid to Ukraine. And number three, I would uh, do my best. Now, I would do this differently than most because I believe in acts of Congress, not acts of ruling by fiat. Uh to reinstitute, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Energy policies from the previous administration. Okay. It's hard to say what would you do day one because I don't believe in ruling by fiat. See, it's it's harder for me to say, well, I would do this because I actually believe in the Congress doing their job. But I think those would be the three things that you could probably do and be in the confines of the parameters set forth in the Constitution. It's interesting. Donald Trump was asked that question, and do you recall what his answer was? No close the border well i mean there's there's nothing wrong with that and the president can do that and that you know that might be a close fourth but until we get the money under control none of this is going to matter when you devalue your currency when you say hey let's just get past the idea of it's gross to say well someone five generations from now is going to pay for my choice like that's gross that's you wouldn't do that to your own kids but yet we do it as as a nation to our future kids but once you get past that the crippling effect it is having on our country in terms of buying power, the stability of the dollar, the ability to have faith in, in our currency, and quite frankly, the amount of money it takes to pay back our debt until we solve that. And the only way to solve that is to say we absolutely have to have a balanced budget. So from sometimes we like to answer questions, and I hope that uh, I hope that made that person happy. OK, so John Fetterman, he was on MSNBC and he was talking about government shutdown in what could possibly happen in 16 days. And he was talking about that very thing, balancing the budget. He was uh, he was ripping on Matt Gates, saying, you know, uh, get your blank together bud uh and stop worrying about how i'm dressed how things have operated since that deal was a bipartisan deal was struck for certain top line spending numbers for all of the funding bills that have to be passed to 
make the budget, keep the government running. The Senate has basically been delivering those and passing them by big 91-7 bipartisan majorities. The House today looks like it's falling apart. You've already got 17 no votes in that House Republican caucus saying we're not passing anything. What, what do you think's happening here? Yeah, you know, like I, I truly, I was, I was very proud of my colleagues, you know, because they're really about governance. That's what it is. And on the other, the, the house, the, the whatever they call themselves, Team America or whatever they call themselves, I just like, hey, I just like bring your vote, you know. Otherwise, you know, they need to go hump a different leg. Is that English? <laughs> bring your vote. Otherwise, you need to go hump a different leg. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like he's trying to blame Republicans for all the spending. It's both sides. But but is that coherent? Bring your vote. Otherwise, you need to go hump a different leg. <laughs> yeah, that's the senator. Can we can we point out? Can we point out? Because you agreed with me yesterday. He looks different. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he is different. Yeah. I'm saying he looks different. Yeah, he does look different. Like a lot different. Now there's a big get your tinfoil hat out. There's a lot of people saying there's a body double. Well, Sounds the same. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is mm-hmm. the guy looks way different than he looked a year ago, right? Yeah. Okay, very good. It's 18 minutes after 10. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. So, so you think Coming up you in just a little bit, Abdul is going to join us. We're going to talk about what's going on with Todd Rokita. 21 minutes after 10, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So last week, uh, Megyn Kelly interviewed Donald Trump. Well. And one of her questions during the interview was about gender, and she did not like the answer that Donald Trump gave. She said it was weak sauce. Yeah, so she asked him, basically, can a man become a woman? Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony, Tony played this yesterday on his midday show, and I thought it was perfect. <laughs> Trump's response, where he goes something like, "Eh," he sounded like, uh, "What's the guy on SpongeBob SquarePants? The Patrick? Mm-hmm. Is that his name?" Mm-hmm. It sounded exactly. You seems like something you would watch, Kevin. Yeah, You're talking Patrick about Patrick Star. or Squidward? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it was like, how could you have any pause to that question? Can a man become a woman? The answer is no. Now we joke on this show if you're chopping stuff off then we'll give you credit but you're not actually a woman right like you have not actually become a woman if you believe that much that you are a woman to to chop something off then we'll give you credit for at least playing the game but no a man cannot become a woman there's a man there's a woman pick a lane megan kelly didn't like the answer either and she was asked about it on glenn beck and here's what she had to say what was your takeaway because he never really answered it but he did shake his head no towards the beginning what's your takeaway from that well, I thought it was weak sauce. He, I really wish he, he did better on that. I like Ron DeSantis's answer, I'm going to be honest, which is no. No. Right. No. Right. No. Obviously no. And it's not determined based on who can give birth. It's, <laughs> it's determined by God, and it's pretty obvious just as soon as you come out of the womb. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it continues to be, notwithstanding this weird agenda by some activists in this crazy trans agenda pushing cult. Um, so Trump clearly knows that. I don't know if he's got, if he's trying to like appease some group of trans voters that he thinks is going to make the difference with him. Even when I had Don Jr. on my show, he was 
kind of dancing around this issue. I, I think that they think they're somehow going to do better with Democrats if they don't hit this straight on, even though I mean, 98 percent of the Republican Party is united on this issue. This is not it is not a winner for any Republican to hedge on this. Uh, just ask Asa Hutchinson. This is something that I, I I'm flabbergasted by all the time. With Ron DeSantis, you have a man who sounds like he has conviction on all the topics, gender, CRT, education, spending, abortion. Yes. And with Donald Trump, you get a lot of waffling. Uh-huh. Yes. What are you confused about here? But yet, Donald Trump yes. leading in the polls. Casey, we've been through this. <laughs> I, uh, like Casey, you... you uh, I don't get it. You, I am sure, have friends, and we've used this example before, where... Why do women pick horrific men? Yeah, the heart wants what the heart wants. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I have now simplified it down to that. Like, I'm sure you have had friends where you say, hey, Darla, Chaz is really bad news. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Chaz may have a great head of hair and look cool on a Harley, but Chaz is a train wreck. Uh, Chaz doesn't have a good work ethic. Uh, <laughs> Chaz has a couple kids with his previous wife. Mm-hmm. He's not a real good dad to them. And you venturing into some sort of relationship with Chaz, mm-hmm. Darla, is not going to end well for you. And hey, here's George right over here, who George has a nice job, has no <laughs> children to speak of, and is looking to really be a supportive husband to a future mate. All you can do is lay it out for people. And ultimately... You know, if you're attracted to the bad boy, and in the case of politics, Trump is the bad boy, Mm -hmm. then you're going to get your heart broken again. And Trump's presidency, especially post-COVID, was a complete disaster. And he showed you what he was. And he can't even answer if a man can become a woman. And it seems like people are just dead set on choosing Chaz. Are you saying that... Ron DeSantis is the nice guy. And nice I'm saying Ron, last. I'm saying Ron DeSantis <laughs> is the together guy mm-hmm. with a with a good job who is looking to be a supportive <laughs> spouse who will come home to you each night, but you can't make somebody do what's in their own best interest. I just want to see Ron DeSantis say, "I'm George. Uh, I'm George." I mean, look, is there? Can you think of a better example than what I just gave you? No, that's it. That's what's going on. That's it. And I, the heart wants what the heart wants. Let's talk about Bill Maher really quick. He's axing his plans for his show to return amid the writer's strike. Now, just yesterday, we talked about Drew Barrymore. Yes. She was on, she was off, she was on, she's off. She she issued that apology. She cried and then decided, nope, she's not going to return her show. Now, Bill Maher doing the same exact thing. He said he was going to be on, and then he saw what happened to Drew Barrymore and the backlash she got. Now he's off. And I love just, the, you know, and the best part is when it's these supposed tough guys like Maher who totally wimp out. His excuses, well... It looks like we're getting closer to an agreement. Mm-hmm. And so since we're a little closer than I thought we were, I'm just going to hold off. Oh, bull. Mm-hmm. You are, uh, I can't say that word. You are a wimp and you're not half the tough guy you portray to be because you had an opportunity to say, this is stupid and I'm going back to work. And when the rubber met the road, you caved just like everybody else. Yeah, he said he was going to honor the spirit of the strike Uh and that his staff were struggling Uh mightily. But then when he saw the backlash that Drew Barrymore got, Mm -hmm. he decided, well, I don't want to deal with that either. All right, Casey, when we come back, this and this pains me, Casey, because, well, he's, gosh darn it, he's such a great guy. Uh, Todd Rokita is in a little bit of trouble Mm -hmm. uh, with the disciplinary commission 
Commission for the state of Indiana because, well, he acted like a complete buffoon on Fox News. And when we come back, and I know this is going to pain Abdul to have to talk about this, but we're going to talk about what kind of trouble Rokita might be in and what could be next for the Attorney General for the state of Indiana. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And our choices, they was few, so the thought never hit. At the one road we traveled, we have a shatter or split. The Attorney General for the state of Indiana could be in big trouble and... Well, he may only have himself to blame. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's here. Casey, remember yesterday we talked about the big news involving the attorney general for the state of Indiana, mm-hmm. Todd Rokita, and how he now has to appear in front of the disciplinary commission related to primarily statements he made on Fox News about that abortion doctor who yes. performed the abortion on the 10-year-old girl. And at the time, you and I were both saying, why is he do that? doing that stuff? Stop talking. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed to me, hey, if you're going to bring, you know, alleged improprieties against uh, against the doctor, then fine. That's your role as attorney general. But it seemed like he was doing politics first and his job second. Mm-hmm. And now these are kind of the allegations in front of the disciplinary commission. So here to help us sort out. What's going on? Because, well, you're not an attorney, and nope. I'm not an attorney, but luckily we have one on speed dial. We got a guy! He joins us now on the DriveHubler.com hotline, the one and only Abdul Hakeem Shabazz of IndiePolitics.org. How are you, my friend? Well, I don't know whether I love Rob Kendall or hate Rob Kendall for coming and having me come in there and talk about Tyler Rokita, <laughs> but okay, we'll pick your we'll t-shirt, Abdul. For the next nine minutes and change. Okay, okay, so how big? You're an attorney. Very briefly, explain what the disciplinary commission is and how big a deal it is to have to appear in fr- in front of uh, ultimately the Supreme Court, who makes the decision on these charges. Well, uh, well, first of all, all lawyers are licensed uh, to practice law in the state that they're in. Uh, I'm licensed in Illinois and Indiana, so uh, I'm subject to the disciplinary rules that are put out by the Illinois and Indiana Supreme Court, just like if you're in Iowa, Ohio, New York, wherever. Uh, and as part of those rules, we have rules of what's called professional conduct, which means there are ways that lawyers are supposed to act. It will act ethically. I know. Big shocker. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and, and just and just And just basically be on good behavior. You, know, you don't say anything to be prejudicial, prejudicial to the administration of justice. That type of thing. What Todd Rakita is doing is accused of violating three three of those rules of professional conduct, which is making uh, statements that be prejudicial to the uh, influence, prejudicial to the administration of justice, and also more importantly, basically talking about uh, an administrative hearing when he when he should have been talking about it. So to put it in in terms that our that our audience can understand. Casey. So what is an ex? Is that what an extrajudicial statement is? Yes, an extrajudicial, an extrajudicial statement is a statement that's sort of made outside of the court hearing or administrative hearing. So on Fox so, TV. Exactly. Okay. So when, we, when he went on Jesse Waters' program and, and said she was an abortion activist acting as a doctor, which is like, oh my God, I can't believe this idiot just said that. Well, okay, so yeah, and no no doubt, look, look we're, you, me, we're totally biased. We can't stand Rokita. I actually like Rokita's politics a lot more than you do, but, uh, but we both think he's a complete buffoon. That being said, we said at the time, Casey and I did, when he went on that show with Jesse Waters, hey, look, if you think this doctor did something wrong or something that your office should be pursuing an investigation of, that's fine, but to sprint to a cable news program and be talking about it and he was you know calling her all the names and everything else that seemed really 
unbecoming of the attorney general. And apparently this disciplinary commission feels the same way. Yes. And, and by the way, the, the disciplinary commission has been looking at this for a while because complaints have been filed, number one. Number two, in a, in a hearing uh, regarding uh, Rakita and Dr. Bernard, uh, Judge Heather Walsh, the Marion County Judge, said that Rakita uh, had broken the law on confidentiality. So he, he was already sort of in, in trouble in the first place. Then you had a couple of uh, some law folks file complaints with the disciplinary commission. They've been looking at this for a while, which is why we've been here. And also something else to keep in mind, too. My theory is that Rakita probably knew he was under uh, investigation because usually the disciplinary commission sends you a letter like, hey, oh, yeah. you know, a complaint's been filed, blah, 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 which is why when the disciplinary commission put out their their complaint, Rakita immediately responded. And you don't, you don't, you don't do that in an hour. So he's been, he's been knowing about this for a while, but the speculation has been. And so they were ready to go once the, once the, disciplinary, once the disciplinary commission filed their complaint. Okay, real quick, uh, because I know Casey wants to hop in here, but I have to ask you this because uh, to steal a phrase from Jen, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, it's top of mind. Um, he responded, but he mentioned his reelection in his response. Mm-hmm. And I have seen a whole bunch of people say, dude, you did this in your official capacity. You're talking about politics and your campaign. Could he be in trouble for that as well? Let me put it this way. I would not be surprised if number of complaints been filed with the inspector general's office. Mm. He said that he has a duty to inform the public. Is that I mean, is who's right here? He shouldn't have been talking or he has a duty. Well, he has a duty to inform, to inform the public, but the, the duty is sort of like on a timeline. For example, you can inform the public, hey, we're investigating Dr. Bernard, and just leave it at that. You don't go into Dr. Bernard's character. You don't go necessarily go into the allegations. You wait for you do all that in the public hearing. That's where you do all that. that that's what a prudent, smart, intelligent lawyer would do, but no one's ever accused Tyler Kidd of being prudent, smart, or intelligent. So. <laughs> Abdul is our guest. We're talking about the uh, disciplinary commission uh, charges against Todd Rokita. So what happens? Now? You, He's got got me, go- you, got me, you got me. You got me worked up uh, this morning. I know, and and look, so but you have great insight into this. You know how the law works. So what happens now? Does he go in front of the Indiana Supreme Court and plead his case? Uh, the the disciplinary commission will have a hearing. It'll be it'll be a closed hearing. Uh, they'll take everything in under consideration. They'll take they'll look at what the, what the commission said, what Rakita said, and basically there are four options: a uh, public or private reprimand, suspension from law for a set period of time. Uh, suspension for practice with reinstatement only if the lawyer proves their fitness or permanent disbarment. I'm tend to thinking probably uh, one or two uh, to start with, probably sort of suspension for like 30 days, kind of like what happened with Curtis Hill. However, with Rakita's personality and all the crap he's pulled, I would not be surprised if they actually come back a little bit more serious than that. Well, okay, so, so this is the big thing Casey and I talked about yesterday, and we were talking about as this story was breaking in real time on the air. Rokita made a big part, or his people did, of him getting Curtis Hill out at the convention was look at how Curtis Hill's kind of you know stained the office and we can't have him running for re-election with this hanging over his head and it, it, the fact that he could have the same thing as Curtis Hill wouldn't the prudent thing for Okita do if he's a man of his word just step aside and let somebody else run well number one uh be careful what you wish for because you just might get it uh number two karma is a b-i-t-c-h and number three uh i could only hope <laughs> now is it does it say in the indiana constitution that the state has to have an attorney general uh yes the attorney general is uh, is in the, i want to say the attorney general is in the, is in the indiana constitution my memory serves me correct uh but to be attorney general you have to have a a, a license to practice law so what and happens Oh, go ahead. And if and if, and if Rakita is uh, is permanently permanently disbarred, 
uh, then he's going to have some issues because can he serve as attorney general, uh, having having not been an attorney and being permanently disbarred? That's going to be the the big question. I don't think he can. I don't think anybody thinks. He, I, I, let me put it this way: I think the only person who thinks they could probably stay attorney general after being permanently disbarred is Todd Rokita. Well, and so this comes back to the whole thing on Rokita, and you and I got different beefs with Rokita for different reasons. Some of them are the same, but many of them are different. But this is a guy who has always put politics first and that's fine if you want to be a congressman or a senator but when you're attorney general you got to put all that aside your job if we're going to be critical of the attorney general in new york for going after trump we got to be critical of rokita here too because it, it is his lust for politics first above all else that has put him in this position yes and also something to keep in mind too is that uh Steve Carter never had these issues. Greg Zeller never had these issues. And even Curtis Hill, uh, when he had his issues, was for sort of non-attorney conduct, so to speak. This goes to the heart of what an attorney is supposed to do, which is keep your friggin' mouth shut. I had to catch myself for a second there. Keep, keep Keep your mouth shut and just do your job and leave all the extrajudicial statements for somebody else. He is a national treasure, and boy, I'm sure he's going to be covering this case like nobody else. He's the one and only Abdul Hakim Shabazz. Find him at IndyPolitics.org. Thank you, my friend. Uh, by the way, uh, keep in mind what happens with the inspector general, because that's going to be the next big thing in all this. Because when Rokita said in his, in his uh, answer on government letterhead and on the government YouTube uh, channel that I am running for re-election, that changes that I am. Once again, you're too cute by half, and it's going to come back to bite you in the rear end. You're the best, Abdul. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. It is 1048. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Nigel joining us in the studio from the number one rated Hammer and Nigel program. Thanks for having me in, guys. How are you? I'm great. Oh, is that a question of me or Casey or what? Just a normal lineage of the conversation. Uh, I'm great. How are you? It's a totally normal response to that question. Hey, so before we get to this Phil Mickelson thing, because he is just just an insufferable human being, you spent an egregious amount of money on Lance Stevenson over the weekend. (laughs) Did you get that? Were you on the text thread? I thought, thank you. Nigel. uh, Sorry, I am very under the weather here. I I love Nigel's like, I'm going to get every one of you sick hey but you need me uh, in the studio for this um no we were at sunday we were at um like i was starstruck lance stevenson a polarizing very fan fan favorite nba player for the indiana Pacers. really that got you I, yeah i did i was right up there with reggie miller for some reason like so me and my buddy our, our next door neighbors we went to dinner with like i can't believe it's i can't like and our wives thought it was funny that we were like oh is that lance stevenson i can't believe it let's <laughs> So he walked by, and of course my wife goes, "Hey Lance, come over here for a second. <laughs> and he's kind of looking at us like, "What? What do these people want?" And we got our picture taken with him and everything. And it, you know, Lance Stevenson again, a crowd favorite, very polarizing. I mean, I love the guy. I love the way he played. I was a fan, uh, not intimidated by anybody. Yeah. Rob, that guy was not. He's the infamous, um, the where he's on the court blowing in LeBron's uh-huh. ear to distract him. <laughs> 
Now, did I hear you right <laughs> that you bought him a $90? Yeah, so we sent over, me and my buddy sent him over a $90 shot of tequila. What is it, we made this, of gold? We had this, uh, this upper end, this nice Mexican restaurant on 421, and uh, it was, I, I just, I wanted to do it. What? But I'm, I, I want to you know? come back to there's a shot that costs $90. Dude, the, the, the next price level above that was 300 Wow. <laughs> So, what do you get? What do you? What is it like? A you get some of know. those mushrooms I, we were talking about? I, I don't know. I never I've, I've, I've imbibed something that expensive before. But it was just something kind of fun to was do. Was it the it. Uh, Azul tequila? Uh, maybe That's the one that comes in the white bottle with the blue on it. Yeah. He, what does a dancing were... girl serve it to you too? Or it's really good, Rob? <laughs> like you don't even know you're drinking. I would tequila. hope for ninety dollars. It would be. Yeah. But man, we got back home from dinner and then just something, I, I mean, I'd been battling something all weekend long and I just, I didn't get out of bed for 24 hours. Oh, so uh, I hope I don't get you guys sick, but I did take, I did take for the first time in three years, a, a COVID test. Then you passed. I passed because I didn't want to bring that. I mean, sure. I'm sure management wants to know probably if you have, I have the new variant or yeah. whatever. So the TK421 because I got all the symptoms. Yeah, the TK421. Do you copy? <laughs> <laughs> I got all the symptoms for sure. Um, okay, <laughs> so Phil Mickelson, who is a very famous golfer, yes, he sent out a tweet yesterday where. He basically, I mean, Phil Mickelson, one of the greatest players of all time, but just an insufferable human being. Uh, it has come out as a, and people have known this for years, has a very serious gambling addiction. A new book is out that claims he's bet over a billion dollars in his life. He has <laughs> lost a hundred million. Mm-hmm. And he basically, as the NFL is starting and ramping up into full force, he's basically sending out a tweet saying, I hope you're enjoying your fantasy football and betting, but I won't be participating this year. I am abstaining. Yeah. Uh, and then goes on to admit his addiction. And yeah. How, what was the part about the $100 million? Uh, what was I the can actually read it for you here, I, if you're ready. Yeah. No, it's, this is my, uh, I think this is my my favorite part like of the whole thing. It didn't affect him financially or are you, something? Are you, are you ready? The money wasn't ever the issue since our financial <laughs> yeah. security has never been threatened. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was so distracted. I wasn't able to be present with the ones I love. That's it right there. So it wasn't the gambling. It was he was him being distracted and not being present not- when he's got $100,000 on a crappy you know, soft girls softball game in <laughs> College World Series. There was supposedly, and I can't remember who the announcer was, but some announcer I think claimed that during a tournament, he would be, you know, Mickelson would have some, and it wasn't a tap in, obviously, but it'd be like, you know, a, a 10 or 15 foot putt. And he would look up at Mickelson and they had this eye thing going on where Mickelson would either like nod or not nod. And if he nodded, then a bet was on and he'd throw a 20 down there, like onto the ground. <laughs> really? And if, you know, Phil would, I mean, the guy had a very, very, very serious gambling addiction. And I mean, it's just, a real thing. Sure it is. But it's just the, I'm it's, so filthy rich that I can lose 100 mil and we'll still be fine. Yeah. Don't, don't cry for uh, me. And by the way, I won't be playing fantasy football this year. You will have to play without me. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we sorry. Hope our sorry, man. I do like Lefty. I like. I watch him whenever he's on. I've been a fan since before he won the first sure. Masters, I think, in 03, maybe. Yeah, I yeah think 04, was, yeah, 2004. 2004, where he, where he had the vertical... He was celebrating in the vertical jump of like three centimeters. <laughs> old fat Phil with the hop back Hef- then. Old hefty. Well, this to me sounds like his so wife the- said, cut it out or I'm out. 
I'm sure he got counseling. He talks about getting counseling in there and everything. But man, okay, Rob. So you, so that allegation, he denied it. I believe that the billion he spent a billion dollars over the years gambling. Yeah, he did not. He lost a hundred million. So how much did he win? Well, I mean, the, the, like he also the, the big one was that he did, the book claimed. So the way this worked apparently was he had a guy who was one of these great betting gurus. You know, a guy like a hammer who you yeah, know, obviously sure. on a much higher level. And this guy apparently and Hammer, beca- Hammer did well over the weekend. Yes, by the way, with yes, he did. And uh, apparently, this guy was a known better, and he was banned from these accounts because these offshore accounts said you're too good at this. We're losing okay. too much money. And under Mickelson's name, he got access to those accounts. And I don't know if they were doing like a profit split or whatever. And so that's how he, wow. he alleged that he had all the information on Mickelson's betting. But the big one was that he tried to bet $400,000 on the Ryder right, Cup. Ryder Cup. That's what I was going to ask yeah. you. And, and Mickelson he, he vehemently denied, denied that. I don't doubt for a second that Mickelson might have pondered betting on the Ryder Cup. And I, I certainly think he probably bet on himself. But but that's automatic suspension and or ejection from the league or the game yeah. itself. right? And, uh, Pete Rose right there. Yeah, right? But it's just, it's just like sitting this thing out as football is starting and it's like you're just making yourself the center of attention. Look, you have a gambling addiction, and that's terrible. But you've been doing this for 30-plus years. You got to have your fun. And now you're basically putting this guilt trip on me who bets $3 on, yeah. the, on the Steelers-Browns the Steelers Browns game. Get Good loss, buddy. You, how'd you do? Uh, I, didn't, we, I didn't see any of your Hammer bets. and I did a little uh, – we bet on the, the Panthers getting three – Against the uh, against the the Saints last night, we got a garbage TD late, so we got a push, and then the Steelers beat yeah. the uh, Browns, so I got a, a win on that one last night. Me so and my parlays, man. Yeah, and those parlays. parlays kill you. They're a death <laughs> I trap. Know. They're a death trap. I, I would have been them. better just laying all the rest of my money in my account on the Colts money line. Why don't you listen to your partner? He says all the time that's a sucker's bet. <sighs> it's a thrill because of victory, I love isn't it. it? Yes, yeah. it's a f- because I've won before and I've won big yeah. before. Yeah. I've yeah. won big. It's the thrill of victory. And I'll tell you, because I hit a three-legger on Sunday on the Jets-Cowboys game. Really? And it's like threading that needle, right? It's like just living on the edge. Like my wife last night looked at me. She goes, why do you even do this? You're miserable the whole game. I said, I'm not miserable. I'm having a great time. <laughs> I love this. Well, imagine how miserable you'd be if you had Mickelson money on oh, it. Oh, boy. I can't, even, I can't even imagine. Or I had Nigel money on it every two weeks. Please. Draining my account. <laughs> What's coming up this afternoon? Uh, Tony Kennett's filling in for Hammer today, and we'll hook up with Tony Katz for Tuesdays with Tony, 5.30. All right. Thank you, Nigel. I wiped down my area over here. Yes, thank you very much. It's all sanctified. We need some Lysol in here. Stat. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Do you?